Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. All I know is one of the least malicious things you could do would be to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by MostlyMad1. I order you to keep your hands off my power generators. This was years ago. I was deployed to Afghanistan as part of a provincial reconstruction team with the mission of helping the Afghan provinces rebuild critical infrastructure, like schools, roads, and the like. I was part of the AF communications team, whose primary job it was to keep our team's on-site communications up and operational so that we could always communicate back to headquarters. This meant it must be operational as close to 24-7-365 365 as possible, as we were in the middle of the war in Afghanistan. Our setup was a bit unique. As far as I know, the other team's sites were within a fortified compound where the team would live and work. Our side, however, was four walls, barely six feet tall, on a tiny compound. We lived amongst the populace and safe houses. The Kamo guys were housed about a three to five minute drive from the compound in a tiny house. The reasoning being that since we were the only ones required to be on site 24-7, then we needed to be close. Plus, we were also the lowest ranked, and of the two houses, the one we stayed in was a dump. It was a rundown, white, two-story, four-bedroom, two-bath that we shared. Think duplex house cut in half. No walls or gate. We had our own attachment of Afghan Mujahideen guards who not only provided us with protection, but also, usually, our meals. The other safe house where the rest of the team stayed was comparably a mansion. A beautiful three-story, emerald green trim, stained glass windows with large bedrooms, huge dining room, living room, and huge kitchen. This was where all the cooks, the higher-ups, translators, maintainers, etc. all stayed. Problem being that it was a good 35-45 to minute drive away along with some winding mountain dirt roads and mud brick Afghan villages. Were we jealous? Yeah, we knew we were getting the shaft, but... It is what it is and we made the best of it. In fact, my current love of Afghan cuisine stemmed directly from the Afghan guards cooking. Anyway, we made it suck less by only having to work 8 hours as all of the Kamo guys would rotate to keep each other fresh. Everyone else generally worked 12s. Since we were on site all the time, we would do other people's jobs, mainly things like refueling generators so we had enough power through the night as the diesel generators we used had fuel tanks that would last about 10 hours before needing to be refueled. Usually it was the maintainer's job to keep them refueled, but they weren't about to make an hour and a half round trip in the middle of the night to refuel the generator, so we did it. We operated like this for a good six months without issue when one morning, after just doing turnover for my midnight shift, the E6 in charge of the maintenance team barged into the commo room. You and you, come outside. He points to me and my replacement before storming outside. With a raised brow, we follow him outside. I'm ordering you guys right now to keep your darn hands off my generators. He yells the moment we're out of the building. You mean you don't want us to do your job for you in the middle of the night? I almost ask, but instead opt for, 
Why? What happened? You see, our four-man team had a teensy, tiny, small problem. To protect the idiot, I shall name him Airman UXO. You see, UXO was not the sharpest tool in the shed. He once picked up an old inert mortar round he found outside our safe house and thought it would be a good idea to bang it with a rock in an attempt to open it while next to the safe house we were sleeping in. Hence, Airman Unexploded Ordinance had a reputation for getting into trouble when bored. Apparently, while UXO was on a swing shift, in his infinite boredom, had done something wrong with the generator the night before, as he was prone to mess with stuff he didn't need to be messing with. As per usual, the backlash landed on the rest of us, which, fine. Now we have even less duties to take care of. But I needed to verify exactly what he meant by no touchy, so I asked, Hey, tech sergeant, uh, by don't touch, you mean don't touch at all? You don't want us to fuel them at night? He was still hot, and with as much venom as he could muster, he yelled at us, No, I don't want you idiots anywhere near my generators. I'll fuel them before going home, and we'll be back early enough to ensure they're fueled again in the morning. I couldn't help but smile as I thought, Yeah, right, and responded with a crisp, Roger that, sergeant. I left to go find my supervisor to verify that the order was lawful and that I should obey it. The thing about this maintenance lead was that no one really liked him. He made his junior do like 90% of the work while he fiddled around with this thousand dollar camera he brought with. That or he disgustingly flirted with the female translator we had. We barely saw him doing any work. My supervisor, upon being told what we'd been ordered, just shrugged. He ordered you all not to touch them? Fine. His problem to deal with now. So a few weeks go by. Of course, it isn't the tech sergeant who comes in early to fuel the generators, but his subordinate who did the majority of the work. So, the first day after his subordinate left to go on leave back to the States, I reminded the tech sergeant as I came on site that he would need to ensure he was back on the site at 0700 to fuel the generator. Don't tell me how to do my job. I'll be here. I barely kept my eyes from rolling and gave him a roger that before going inside for shift change. Shift goes without a hitch, but as the sun starts to light the sky of the valley, I begin to wonder if the tech sergeant is going to make it in. I'm alone on the compound, having an inner debate on if I should just refuel them myself or not. On one hand, my mission was to ensure that communications remained up and operational. On the other, I had standing orders to not touch the generator. The clock on the office wall kept ticking, seemingly louder and louder as I knew after the hands passed 0700 that the generator could fail at any moment and the site would lose power and comms would be cut. I went outside to the generator shack. The active and backup generators were inside. Without touching them, I went back over the crash course we had on them from earlier on how to flip them over in the event of an emergency. Confident I knew how to start up and flip the power over to the other generator, I made the decision to maliciously comply with the orders I had been given. I know, I know, I could have easily filled the generator up with a little bit of fuel just to keep it running until he got there to do his job. But knowing him, he was messing around instead of ensuring his job was done. So, now knowing a power failure was imminent, I reached back to HQ and informed them that a potential short outage could possibly occur so that they were aware. Told them that we expected it not to be longer than a half hour, as we could potentially have a generator issue. It would take a bit of time to transfer over to the other generator. 
Shortly after making that call, at about 10 after the hour, the telltale signs of a generator dying began to bring the power down to the site. I go out back to the generator shack snickering because I knew it'll be a pain for the tech sergeant to fix the now empty diesel motor and get it back in running condition. Not like you can just refuel the thing like a gas motor and get it running again. I reach the backup generator, flip the proper switches, give the key a turn, and there is no power to the backup generator. The car battery on it was dead. What the heck? Why isn't this generator maintained properly? Tech Sergeant was supposed to be in charge of ensuring the backup was running at least weekly. This was supposed to be simple. Power goes out, I follow orders, I then bring the site back up, no big deal. Now my head races as I try to figure out how to get power back in under a half hour. I snap my fingers and grab the toolkit and head to the empty generator. I find the battery case for it, and I start uncoupling it from the dead generator so I can put in the backup. And wouldn't you know it, as I'm putting the last few turns to install the battery, Tech Sergeant finally rolls into the compound half an hour late and immediately notices me over at his generator with wires hanging out. I'm covered in grease and filth as I stand up while looking directly at him, crank the backup generator and bring power back to the compound. He starts screaming at me, what do you think you're doing? Why are you touching my generators? I told you not to touch them. I ordered you. I threw a wrench down at his feet and yelled back, well maybe if you had been here on time to do your job and refuel the generators, I wouldn't have to be out here fixing your backup generator so I can do my job. As I brush past him and yell over my shoulder, excuse me, I have to call HQ and let them know that we're back up and operational. As I go inside, I see the compound commander with a red face go storming outside screaming for Tech Sergeant to come to his office. With a nod from my supervisor, I make my call. Normally I'm all mission first, but sometimes you need to put a pompous NCO in his place. If you have somebody above you with that much responsibility who usually totally slacks off and there's this one situation where they have to do the work and you could save their butt and make sure no errors happen just by doing a quick thing, would you do what OP did and let that higher up totally fumble the whole operation? Let me know in the comments down below. And our final story of the day is by Murphy's Mom 08. Don't leave the locker room? You got it, boss. Several years ago, I was a high school PE teacher. The district I worked in was a Title I with a huge population of ELL and low-income kids, 95% or so. For hygiene reasons, we required the kids to wear PE uniforms and change for PE. Kids also showered after class. Because of our students' socioeconomic standards, I always had spare clothes and towels the kids could use and offered to wash PE clothes weekly for students who didn't have access to laundry facilities. This practice was also done by the male PE teacher and has actually been around since before I started. Before I get to the malicious compliance, there's a few more details you need to set the scene. Classroom management and teaching is a whole art in and of itself. PE is kind of next level because you have 30 plus kids all running around and a lot of area to cover. In addition, the genius that designed our school decided not to have the locker rooms connect to the gym, but rather put a hallway in between. This was somewhat of a management nightmare because there were basically three places you had to supervise and there wasn't a way to watch all three at once. On top of that, locker rooms had to be locked between classes. 
The laundry facility was also located in the hallway between the gym and locker rooms. Two-way radios were also frequently used by all PE teachers in the district, as well as admin, counselors, etc., for safety, and to find kids when outside, before school, after school, etc. Finally, because our district was a decent size but rural, it was a stepping stone for a lot of want-to-be admin. They would come in for a year or two and then leave. This revolving door of admin also made it a bit frustrating because rules and climate changed every few years while people try to leave their mark to get hired for the next gig. Now onto the malicious compliance. As I mentioned, it was always a little crazy trying to supervise kids everywhere, but for the most part, the kids were really good and respectful and we had a pretty good system. I would often duck out of the locker room between class to start laundry, let kids into the locker room during a class period, or open it up for sports teams leaving early at the end of the day. These sort of frequent interruptions happen more often than you would think, but we made it work. That is, until we got Attila the Hun as principal. This particular chick thought her poop didn't stink and came in with the idea that everything in the school sucked, and it was her job to fix it. She was also an alcoholic that had learned to work the system and stepped on everyone she could trying to get to the top. Well, one day, she wandered past P.E. while sneaking into the building late to work and decided this was her time to make a point. I had left to go put laundry in the dryer, and she proceeded to chew my butt out for leaving the locker room unsupervised. Keep in mind, this was during a passing period where other teachers are allowed to step out of their room to go to the bathroom, make copies, etc. This applied to everyone except myself, and the male teacher in PE. I should add that I was the union rep, and she hated me for it because the union held her accountable. I was told under no circumstances was I allowed to leave the locker room during the day unless it was to go to class, and that no student were allowed anywhere without supervision. Okay boss, you got it. I also need to mention that everyone else in the district knew how much she sucked, and most other building admin and teachers also had run-ins with her. I was also pretty well respected, having been in the district a while, and worked in several other buildings, and had been in teacher leadership positions. The day she told me that, I put my plan into place and made sure I always had my two-way radio with me. I laid low for a week or two and then put my plan into action. First thing, I needed to put laundry in the dryer, so I radioed high school girls PE to Attila the Hun over the entire district radio. She responded thinking it was urgent, to which I stated, I need to go put clothes in the dryer and need coverage in the locker room. She tried to tell me that I didn't need a radio for this to which I reminded her that she insisted we never leave the locker room unless it was to start class. About 15 minutes later, she strolls down rather pissed off to let me go do my mundane task. I am instantly flooded with text messages from other admin, teachers, etc. who have access to radios and heard it go out, laughing. A few days later, she sent a kid down to change because they're going to in-house and had gang-affiliated clothing on. Kitty comes to me while I'm teaching, asking to open the locker room. You guessed it. I got on the radio and asked for her to come down and unlock the door and wait, reminding her that kids are not to be unsupervised. This goes on for about a week with about four to five radio calls a day. Anytime students, sports teams, or anyone else needed to get into the locker room or I had tasks to do, it went out over the radio for all to hear reminding her each time of her rules. She finally caught on to what I was doing and then started ignoring me on the radio. 
At that point, I would radio to all other admin in the school or district or anyone else that could come and assist since it appeared our admin were unavailable. Also not a good look for her. I think this malicious compliance was one of the last straws for Attila because shortly thereafter, she was fired. I think the superintendent got word of all her shadiness, but me constantly on the radio didn't help. He ended up coming to me and the male teacher, letting us know that we could go back to actually doing our jobs and we wouldn't be punished. As an update, she was subsequently fired from other admin jobs in our state every year for about three years until COVID hit. I have zero regrets. To me, it sounds like OP's game with this kind of sounds fun. Like, I kind of feel like there's nothing more satisfying than when somebody tells you, you have to do this and only this way, and in that moment is actually unwittingly handing you the weapons to strike them down, to make them miserable. High school girls PE to Attila the Hun. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of both of these stories, which one was your personal favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.